0: Well, I I want to start out with a uh, lyric from an 80s rock song. Big surprise to you guys. I never do that, right? Uh, But back in the 80s, um, there was a band called The Clash, and they they sang a song called, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Uh, Maybe you remember it. It went something like this, Should I stay or should I go? If I go, there will be trouble. But if I stay, there might be double. So you've got to let me know should I stay or should I go? Um, I like the song. I don't know. Um, but maybe you can relate to the message, the struggle uh, that's, that song is about. Because at a certain point, uh, we all wrestle with these decisions. What are we going to do? Where are we going to go? What's next? Uh, over the course of a lifetime, we all make a lot of decisions and and the choices sometimes they can get kind of complicated you know uh, there 's often consequences that are attached to the choices that we make so so we all want more than anything to make good choices, to choose well, to to do what's best. And so that's kind of what we're looking at in the passage we're turning to this morning. Um, It lays out some godly counsel for people who were wrestling over whether to stay or to go in a few different situations. So we've been making our way through the book of 1 Corinthians. We're in a series called Growing Pains. And the overall theme has been that God is continually calling all of us to, to grow uh, spiritual growth, which sometimes it's fun, um, sometimes it's not, but all of the time it is good. Uh, God's good purpose is being accomplished in our lives and through our lives. And, and so what we're going to see this morning is we're going to get a little bit of a grid. Uh, a grid for Christ followers for us to to funnel our decisions through our, our decision making through. So, so the the grid is basically this: what brings glory to God? How can I choose in a way that brings ultimate glory to God? Uh, that's sort of the goal. That's the goal that the mature Christian life sets up not not what's easy. Uh, Not what benefits me most, but what honors and glorifies God. Um, So if you have a Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and I will tell you that we're going to cover a larger portion of Scripture this morning, so we're not going to get super granular. Uh, We're going to be flying at about a thousand foot uh, altitude, and uh, we're going to walk through three different scenarios, each one. Um, with that same determining factor of what does it look like to glorify God in the situation um, that I'm in. So the first one was uh, people were asking that question, should I stay or should I go? And they were asking it, believe it or not, about their marriages. Uh, They asked the question to the Apostle Paul in a previous letter, and we're going to read his response to them. And I want to I just mention up front that this passage touches on uh, the topic of marriage and divorce, uh, which is a, a sensitive topic for many of us because uh, it may be a part of your story. Uh, for whatever reason, it is a part of many people's stories. And um, a lot of times, it's a complicated relationship when you come into church, when that's been a part of your story. Um, It happens for all kinds of reasons, and some people carry with them a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, and so that is not my intention. I want to say that up front, Um, and I want to just uh, encourage you to, like, let's look at this from this point forward, you know, for the current situation uh, moving forward. There's no intention of judging anyone, and, and God is a God of grace, and so let's just look at what God's word says And uh, we're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and uh, this is verses 10 and 11. It says, To the married I give this charge, not I but the Lord. The wife should not separate from her husband, but if she does, she should remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Okay, we'll stop there. Uh, These instructions are directed to Christian marriages where... Both spouses are Christ followers. They're believers. And, and it, it kind of reminds us of the reality that even Christian marriages will not be exempt from marital challenges, from relationship challenges. You see, that question that they were asking, should I stay with my spouse, that wasn't some kind of hypothetical. They, they wanted to know, hey, can you tell me, is there an opt-out clause? Because I might be interested in, in taking that. Uh, maybe, maybe you've been there yourself. You know, marriage, um, I think it's the best thing around when it's going well. Uh, but the reality is it doesn't go well all the time. That's just the reality. Anytime you put two imperfect people together living under the same roof for a long enough period of time, there is going to be problems Conflict is going to be a reality. And, and just because we follow Christ and have Christ at the center of our marriage, that doesn't exempt that. Um, you know, outside of my own relationship with the Lord, being, being married to Diane is by far and away the very best thing that has ever happened to me in my life. I think the, the life we share together, the family we've made together, it's brought more joy and more meaning in my life than I ever dreamed. Uh, would be possible. But that doesn't mean that it's been 28 years of nonstop marital bliss. Ask my wife and she will tell you. (laughs) Even even though we we try to set Christ at the center and, and we love each other dearly, we don't necessarily like each other all the time. And that's just kind of life. I will say most of the time we do. But there's also times when we don't get each other. And there's times when we've been frustrated with each other, when we've hurt each other, uh, because marriage, by definition, is the union of two imperfect people. And by design, that will make an imperfect marriage. Um, and, and there will be times in every marriage when your spouse is going to seem more like, a, more, more like a combatant than a companion. It's just going to happen, and and when that stress builds up and the resentment sets in, it doesn't take a whole lot for anyone to just start wondering: Is there a back door to this thing? Uh, we can get there. As a matter of fact, that might be where some of you are right now, and, and sometimes there's just no quick solutions in sight. And what it takes to make a marriage work is going to be a major investment of time and of energy and of patience. And sometimes that's going to have to happen without the promise that those efforts are going to keep re- be reciprocated on the other end. And when it gets to that point, you're not going to have to look far to find people who will speak into your life and say something like this. If you're not happy, if it's not working for you, then the choice is obvious. Get out. And that's, that's when we need to hear the clear voice of the Lord telling you to stay, to, to stay put, to stay where you are. And so let me read verse 10 again, that the wife should not separate from her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. See, if, if you're a believer... The the default assumption is just that divorce is just not an option. There's a lot of things that can be done to improve a relationship, and and divorce is just going to be that that button that we're not going to push. Now, I I can say that, but I need to clarify that. I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Um, So if you're in a situation where it's dangerous, if you're in an abusive situation, don't stay physically where you are. Get out. Get to a safe place. Get to a place where you can get help and then you can assess, is this marriage able to move forward? Um, You know, the the Lord's teaching on marriage and divorce does spell out legitimate exceptions uh, where the vows have been violated and divorce is an option. We actually looked at those uh, when we went through the Gospel of Mark last year um, the message is on our website. It's called Lord of the Rings, and you can you can find that on our website if you want to hear a, a more uh, laid out um, uh, teaching on that. Uh, but aside from those legitimate exceptions, there are also just plenty of excuses that we can come up with um, to get out, like we're just not compatible, right? Um, you've heard me say this before, compatibility is a myth. We are all compatible with just about everyone some of the time, and none of us are compatible with anyone all of the time. So so God's standard is to stay. Stay with your spouse. And There may be some of you this morning who you just need to hear that. You need to resolve that issue before you leave this building uh, this morning. This is what it looks like to honor God in the situation you're in. Instead Instead of making it about you and your spouse, how about what if you were to just make it about you and the Lord? Right, that, that marriage is simply the setting in which you are walking out your walk with the Lord and your spouse is the person that you are just expressing it towards. But what you do happens regardless of how your, response, how, how your spouse responds or whether he or she responds. Um, i tell you what I've learned from marriage is that marriage is a fertile ground for spiritual growth if we're willing to. To let it happen, the the idea is that that God will use marriage to grow us up in ways that we need to grow up. Um, and, and that happens because there is nothing quite like the proximity of a spouse who you are living under the same roof with, uh, who knows you better than everybody else, who, who, who understands you know, you can't kind of just put up a front and, and put on your best smile and everything you are, who you really are. And, and that just has a way of surfacing all the stuff in our lives, those areas that need to grow and, and by the way, your spouse doesn't cause those issues in you, right? Just Let's just clarify that one. It's on you. Uh, marriage will expose it, but your spouse is not responsible for the attitudes and the issues that come out of you. Uh, you know, before I got married, I thought I was a pretty selfless person. And, and, then, and then I got married. <laughs> You've been there, right? You understand what it's like. And just this selfishness starts surfacing in my life in all kinds of ways. And I'm like, oh, this is ugly. I, I got to deal with this. There's areas where I need to grow. And then when you add a few kids to the mix, and it absolutely intensifies all of these areas we need to grow in. And I think that's by design. I think God designed marriage to work that way. That's, that's God's way of saying, hey, Let's work in your life. Let's replace some of that selflessness. Let's build up sacrifice. But that can only happen if we're willing to, to shift gears. And that means instead of you know fixating on all the areas my spouse needs to grow in, I can just assume that I'm the lid. There is no greater limiting factor than me. And no one is in greater need of growth than myself. Um, is it always fun? No. Does it end up being good? Yes. See, we have the choice to either deflect and blame, or to repent and surrender, and and dedicate ourselves to becoming the person that God is calling us to be. So, so sometimes the God honoring thing to do is to is to stay. And and, and if that's where you are, and I just want to assure you this morning that you are where God wants you to be. Hang tight, stay the course. I have no idea how God may use your situation and work in it, but I know that he will. So the passage is going to go on now. We'll keep on reading, and it's going to apply that same instruction uh, when, it's, when it's a believer who's married to an unbeliever. And, and a lot of you may fall into that category. And, and this answers the question should I stay with my unbelieving spouse? That was the question. So it says this, to the rest I say, and I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. If any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and he consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is made holy because of his wife, and the unbelieving wife is made holy or or sanctified would be the literal translation, because of her husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. But if the unbelieving partner separates, let it be so. In such cases, the brother or sister is not enslaved. God has called you to peace, for how do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband... Whether you will save your wife. So, if we unpack that, again, we realize that marriage by itself is hard enough, but then when you add in the fact that you and your spouse are not on the same page spiritually, that can add a level of challenge, um, a, a huge level of challenge, because you know if you're following Christ, Jesus isn't just this small little compartment that you kind of pull out on a Sunday morning, right? And just take out and then put back in, right? Jesus is, he's the primary factor that bleeds into every area of life and impacts it all. So, so the things that you do or the things that you don't do, the values you hold to, the way you raise kids, all of that gets packed into and, and it gets directed by our walk with the Lord. And so the question here is, doesn't it just maybe just make sense to just maybe hit the reset button and start over, maybe with someone who, who has Christ in common with me, right? And and the instruction here is that even when that's the case, the God honoring way to, to respond to that is to stay. Stay the course with your spouse. So if your spouse walks out on you, that's one thing, but you don't be the one to initiate that. And, uh, you know, I love the way in this passage it highlights the power of one believing spouse in a marriage, even in a spiritually splintered marriage. It says the believing spouse has a sanctifying effect. You know, you can't save your spouse. That's something only Jesus can do but we do get the opportunity to incarnate the presence of Jesus in a powerful way. And if that's where you are, I want to tell you, please know how much that presence matters. You are impacting your world, your spouse, your children, your family in ways that you are probably not even aware of. And it asks the question, how do you know? How do you know whether God will use you to save your spouse and The answer, of course, is we don't know, but he might. And so if this is where God has you, I know you don't have to go out looking for a mission field, right? We oftentimes talk about that. Who's your mission field? Where is it? Well, it's under my roof. It's in my house. You're living in a mission field day in and day out. And uh, I know many of you are in this situation. This is your setting. This is your reality. I've, I've heard your stories, and I want to tell you, you're like, you're you're my heroes. You really are. You're just showing amazing and amazing strength. You're settled into this is the place where God has called me and I'm just open. I'm surrendered to how God wants to use me in the setting I'm in. That honors God. Don't ever forget it and keep on going. So the passage goes on and addresses the second area, the second setting where people were asking and wondering, should I stay or should I go? And it had to do with where they were um, in whatever setting, the the situation that they were in currently, whether it's physically or just the state of life they're in. And So I'm going to read from 17. It says this, only let each person... "'Lead the life that the Lord has assigned to them "'and to which God has called them. "'This is my rule in all the churches. "'Was anyone at a time of his call already circumcised? "'Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. "'Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? "'Let him not seek circumcision, "'for neither circumcision counts for anything "'nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. "'Each one should remain in the condition "'in which he was called.' Were you a bondservant when called? Do not be concerned about it. But if you can gain your freedom, avail yourself of the opportunity. For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant is a freed man of the Lord. And likewise, he who was free when called is a bondservant of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. You know, sometimes we are so ready to change our setting, to to change where we are and get to somewhere else, get to where we need to be next. And, and we can sometimes just forget and lose sight of the reality that God's primary agenda, is, it's not to change our setting. It's, it's to change us. And I think that's what it's, this is getting at, we, we can be so future-focused on everything that needs to be done out there. Here's where I need to go. This is what I need to do. This is my master plan. This is where I want to move to, whatever else it is. And sometimes we just need that reminder. God meets us in the moment we're in right now. He is at work in the here and now, no matter what your here and now looks like. So there's this word that's repeated in this passage several times. I think it's eight times the word is called. If you're a Christian, you have been called by God. And God is the one who does the calling. I am so glad. I hope you are that God doesn't wait for us to call him. He takes the initiative, he, he goes after us, and, and Jesus calls us, he calls us to live a life that follows him, that, that knows him more each day, that, that is continuing to learn how to live life and do life his way. And he also calls us to do some things. There are specific things in mind that he has for our lives to accomplish. And, and what that means is that you are who you are, you are where you are. You are the person with the gifts that you have, the temperaments you've been given, the experience you've gone through, whether they're good or bad, and the capacities you have. All of that is by divine design. God has poured that into you to, to make an eternal impact in your life. And discerning that call, the passage explains, is that's it's something that starts right where you are. So I would say this, apart from a very clear call to go somewhere else, stay where you are, because that's where the call of God unfolds. So don't think you need to, like, pack up your bags, sell all your stuff, move around the world in order to make your life count for God. If he's calling you to do that, sure, but how about starting it right now, right here where you live? not just when you have everything figured out, right? Your life doesn't need to be all running smoothly for God's call to unfold. The obstacles don't need to all be out of the way. God's call is for here and now. Paul even says, if you notice it here, but even for those who are slaves, that's not an excuse to not live out God's call. You can still do that. You can live life in a God-honoring way. And so he says, of course, if you have a chance to get your freedom, get free, but in the meantime, don't let that distract you. Get busy doing what God has called you to do. It, it makes me think of King David, right? His, his call started out in obscurity. No one was around. He didn't strategic plan his way to the throne. He, he went out to a field all alone, watched over some sheep. And it was there he learned how to trust God by fighting off bears and lions And that gave him the courage to to face Goliath. And God eventually, step by step, raised him up and brought him to the place that he wanted him to be. How about Joseph? Joseph started in a pit when he was sold uh, into slavery by his brothers, and he went from there to a prison cell. Instead of being bitter and angry, he just looked for those opportunities to do what he could do, could carry out God's call, and that eventually led him to, to the exact place where God had in mind for him to be. See, that's, that's the way God works. And so the challenge is, what if maybe we spent less time trying to change our surroundings, those things outside of us, and, 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 and getting somewhere else, and just, just we just focus on ourselves and say, "Hey, What does it look like to honor God right here, right now? Ask God, show me, what do you want me to do? Who is a person that you want me to bless? What needs are around me that you have me to meet? Start right where you are and just watch it unfold step by step. So there's one final category that addresses... um, in, in this passage, engaged couples. And, and they were wrestling over the question of should they break off their engagement, stay single, or go ahead and, and get married. And um, I'm going to read this passage, and we'll unpack it together. Uh, and it's, it's a little bit of a longer passage, so just, um, just hang with me, and uh, we'll read it. It says this, "'Now concerning the betrothed, I have no command from the Lord, but I give my judgment as one who by the Lord's mercy is trustworthy.'" I think that in view of the present distress, it is good for a person to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be free. Are you free from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a betrothed woman marries, she has not sinned. Yet those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you of that. This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time is growing very short. So from now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it, for the present form of this world is passing away. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things. If anyone thinks he's not behaving properly towards his betrothed, if his passions are strong and it has to be, let him do as he wishes, let them marry, it's no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control and has determined that in his heart to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then he who marries his betrothed does well and he who refrains from marriage will do even better." A wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives, but if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes only in the Lord. Yet in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think I too have the spirit of God. All right, let me try to just wrap that up and uh, put it together. Sometimes, sometimes, I think what I was getting at is sometimes the answers that we want are not quite as clear cut and cookie cutter. Um, and, and not every decision... Is, is a moral decision. I think there's something very freeing about that. Sometimes it's not a matter of what's right and what's wrong. Some decisions are just a matter of what fits best for me, for who I am, for the person that God has created me to be. As, as, as Christ followers, there's this overall goal, And that goal is to order our lives in a way that glorifies God, that makes maximum impact for the kingdom of God and the small amount of life that we have on this earth. Um, But here's the thing, it's going to look different in each of our lives. It's going to look different depending on who you are, the chapter of life you're in, the way God has wired you, and, and it's something that each of us, we have to discern that for ourselves. So, so maybe this is you right now. You're at some kind of crossroads. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a widow. Uh, maybe you're retired. Uh, maybe you're single. Maybe you're divorced. And, you know, at some point, most of us are going to find ourselves in a place where we're going to have to, like, figure out how am I going to orient my life from this point forward? So um, if your spouse passes away before you do, you're going to have to wrestle with that. Right? Would you get remarried? Would you stay single? And so, this is just some guidance, some godly counsel for those kinds of questions. And uh, and and the first thing is to realize that God is good. Get that straight. God is good. His intention is to bless, not to burden. That comes through in this passage. You know, some people they take the martyr approach to discerning God's will. Um, here's what that sounds like. If it's something I want, then it must not be from God. But if it's something I don't want, then it must be God's will. I think that is one of the most flawed discernment strategies. Please don't employ that. God is not a masochist. So Paul is here saying, he said, hey, you know what? If marriage to you sounds like a life sentence, or if singleness sounds like, you know, jail, then... When you get the chance, opt for the one that works best for you. So my goal, he says, is not to restrict you, is that you may live in undivided devotion to the Lord. That's, that's the point. And that means whatever choice you make, make that choice based on eternity. Make it with eternity in mind because for all of us, the time is short. And this world as we know it it's, it's passing away. So, so be married, but, but don't make your whole life about your marriage because marriage has a shelf life. It doesn't last an eternity. So, so be happy, right? Be content, but don't chase happiness because that's hollow. Um, it's okay to have stuff, but remember that it's all, all that stuff is destined for the dumpster. It's not going to last but what does last is what we do for the Lord. So as we let that reality permeate our lives and we let eternity guide our decisions, that's a way of staying on track. And that's a bit of a template to just help us think through some of these life decisions uh, that we make or that we will have to make at a certain chapter in our lives. And and again, all of these, we, we, we don't make these into rigid rules. Uh, these are not sin issues, Paul's very particular about saying that they're personal to each of our lives, to each of our situations. And so let me wrap it up. When, when Washington, D.C., uh, when they released their emergency plan uh, for what residents should do in the event of an emergency, their plan was summarized in two words, stay put. Stay put. sometimes, sometimes, That's God's plan for our lives. That's the call of God. Stay put. And there is this temptation that all of us can feel to escape, to run away. Because the reality is, a lot of times, it is harder to stay. And it doesn't take too long before we hit the place that the setting we're in is no longer fun. The fun has run out, and it's just rolling up our sleeves and doing some hard work. This is, this is life. This is real life. And, and so in my own life, I just, I think of the impact of those who have had the option to go. I wouldn't have blamed them in whatever setting I was in, but they, they stayed with me. In all kinds of situations. Their steadfastness made all the difference in the world. As we were getting this church started, there were a series of people who chose to stay when we were just floundering and we were trying to figure this thing out. And it was just like spinning our wheels time and time again. And many people took off, but a few people just stayed. And we wouldn't have what we have without them. I'm, I'm so grateful for them. I'm, I'm most grateful. To have a Savior who stays. When he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was sweating drops of blood thinking about the cross that was coming, he even asked the Father, is there a way out? But then he resolved to stay the course, to go to the cross, to accomplish the Father's will, and to win our salvation. Aren't you glad he stayed? And that same Savior who stayed the course has almost promised. He's also promised to never leave us or forsake us. He is with us through it all. He gives us the strength and the power we need to work through the situations that he calls us to be. It may not always be fun. I guarantee you, it will not always be fun. But it will ultimately always be good, because what we do for his glory, we also do for our own good. Let's pray together.